to another edition of Thinking Aloud About Film. Today we're continuing our look at the work of Moton Fay. So after watching his two beautiful neorealist early films last week, we're looking at his later career where he uh, started making exploitation films uh, with the Shaw Brothers and we're going to be talking about Lost Souls from 1980. So Jose, what did you think? It's really exploitative. I mean, the film basically tells a story which is very timely about these boat people who emigrate from China onto Hong Kong and like people fleeing, you know, regimes where uh, they're persecuted. Uh, They really take their life in their hands. They make it on the mainland only to be captured by people who want to make money off them. So the basic idea in the film is that all of these people from mainland China have someone in Hong Kong that they're connected to and they have a phone number to call and so if they have a phone number they can get blackmail money right that's how the film begins basically but uh some people have blackmail money some don't some pay the blackmail money but then things happen anyway the gist is that um this gang boss uh basically instigates a regime of terror and brutality and you know, women get raped and they get thrown around in, in ways that feel quite brutal. Like, they really get kicked around. Yeah. Right? Like it, it was one of those films where you, you're kind of watching it and wor- you'll kind of worry, what were the performers treated like on set? You know, because it... it not did very well, I would feel, think. Yeah, well, well, quite. I mean, who, who knows? But, I mean, you know, clearly, clearly you know, this, this stuff wasn't really happening. But, the, you know, the, the, the prisoners are all naked a lot of the time, you know, men and the women, and, and it's sort of... It can't have been a nice experience. I have mixed feelings about it, actually, because, you know, on the one hand, it's pulpy, it's dynamic, it's exciting, it's really, really brutal, right? All of which I like, yeah, because, you know, it makes it seem, well, you know, if you think, what are people living through when they emigrate? I think probably not too different than what you see here, actually. You know, on the other hand, you are shown this stuff, to get you off, it, he lingers on stuff. I mean, there's a scene where they're, they're, yeah, they're selling off some of the women to, I guess, to a whorehouse, and this huge fat guy turns up and he's just sizing up the women, and that you know they're all paraded naked, and, and it's, it's just sort of lingers on it for longer than is necessary to make the point. If you just wanted to show that scene to make the point that something awful's happening, fine. But to do it and then just linger like that, I it's, mean, it's, the film selling point is clearly those bodies and those rapes and those sexual situations. Yeah, it's an exploitation film, without a doubt. Which makes him seem an an increasingly interesting filmmaker to me because, you know, you can actually tell that the man who directed The End of the Track is the same director as this one. Early on in the film, there's actually, there's a shot of one of the immigrants running alone up, up a up a hill and it's exactly the same shot that we saw in um i didn't dare tell, i can't remember i think it was i didn't dare tell you had that shot i mean there's basically that whole central section which is you know them being held in captivity on the in this camp and, and, and being being brutalized um but kind of around that 
the, the, I thought the early sections were really quite interesting, this kind of documentary style stuff about illegal immigration. And then the scene where they're, you know, they're on the boat and they land on the beach and it's all in darkness and they're attacked by soldiers. I thought that was really, that, that was, was really great. interesting. And, 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 and the ending, uh, because Betty said, yeah, essentially the ending, what, what only one of them manages to escape. Um, they, you know, they all escape and then they're recaptured. But one guy has been looking for this place called Diamond Hill, which he, he imagines is this amazing thing paved with diamonds, basically, and then just end, fi- finds it and it's horrible. He's put himself through all this stuff just to go to this awful place. And, and then it pans over Hong Kong. I thought that, you know, that, that was really that was interesting. Um, I mean, you know, and Hong Kong was just like one big favela then. And it looks exactly like, well, not exactly, but very similar to those favelas you know, that you get in Rio de Janeiro, right? Um, so I thought, it, I thought it was very powerful, actually. What, what surprised me slightly is, is you, you get this, this whole section on, in, 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 in the camp or the farm or whatever it is. The film carries on for quite a while after that sequence. There is a lot more to it, and it almost feels like, you know, there's a serious idea here, but he's put all this nudity and violence in the middle to, to sell the I mean, film. I, 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 I also I want to look at the film another way. If you accept it's an exploitation film, right? It is what it is. It's a film like so many made in the 70s, you know, where like basically you're taking women's clothes off to sell tickets and put them in as many sexual positions as possible to sell tickets. And actually, let's go further. As many degrading positions as possible to get tickets. Because that's what this film is, yeah? So, like, let, let's not yeah, get around yeah. the bush. It's an exploitation film, and it exploits women. Uh, however, that said, and by looking at it another way, this is an exploitation film with a politics. It's a real critique of Hong Kong culture. It's corruption. It's mendacity. Everyone's on the make. Everyone's on the take. There's clearly no law and order. There, you know, there are different gangs competing for you know, making money out of the people who are, you know, most vulnerable, the selling off of the women, you know, to whorehouses and so on. I mean, I've been reading a lot of trash East Asian stuff. This seems to be quite a common practice. You assume he was writing about stuff that was happening. I mean, to an extent, not necessarily as extreme as this, but that, but that this stuff was happening. And stuff that he knew about, I understand, because I understand that he... Uh, he had ended up in Hong Kong as some kind of migrant himself or without a job or homeless or something like that. I finished watching the film about half an hour ago and I started watching, I don't know if you've started watching it, that, the no, interview with him that's on, on YouTube. Basically the whole thing looks like it goes on for about an hour and a half, but it, it's really interesting. So I've, I watched the first 10, 15 minutes where he's talking about his his early life and he, he actually talks about the first two films, which was interesting. So he, he was the son, his father was some senior guy in the army Moton Fei then got quite political and was kind of said, I'd, I'd like to be a politician. And he said, well, okay, the only way you can be a politician is you need to follow this guy because he's the, the son of Chiang Kai-shek and he'll, he's going to, you know, in, in 20 years' time, he'll be the president. And said, so, well, okay, I don't want to do that then. And so he decided to go into filmmaking. He goes to film school and the way they learn film, because they can't afford any equipment, they can only learn film by theory. And they they basically just go to, the, they're taken to the cinema and they watch films like 30 times and try and analyse all the shots just by watching the film. Um, but then what's interesting is he, he um, and this isn't this isn't really part of the narrative that was in the talks by Victor Fan and Woodlin, but he, he then worked in the mid-60s as assistant director on 
quite a few big Taiwanese productions, so big kind of martial arts type films. Um, before he then went on to make, I didn't dare tell you. So that so I didn't dare tell you wasn't the work of a of a student. It was the work of someone who'd been working professionally as an assistant director shows, for a few yeah. years. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. But I'd say it's not quite the narrative that we got. He he claims. Okay, there's two interesting things. First thing is, I suspect the source of the Wikipedia claim that both films were banned by the government is this interview by uh, Motun Fei, where he claim, where he makes this claim that that um, the the first film was banned because of, of it, because it was a political comment. The second film, End of the Track, interestingly, he claims it was banned. He doesn't he doesn't mention anything about homoerotic stuff. Um, he he says it was banned by the government because it set a bad example to to children. And and he explicitly says that what happens in the film is there are these two boys and their best friends and they both die. He, so he says one, you know, the one dies on, on the track and the second one commits ah, suicide. So he's, he's so essentially the, that that's what his view is. The, the, that's what that ending was was supposed to say. So, so that was yes. quite interesting. But yeah, he, so he, he claims they're both banned, which they kind of weren't or there's no evidence they were and and he's sort of claiming that he was on some government blacklist and so couldn't work which may may be true you know i mean it was a, a dictatorship and that may be true and that's why he went traveling and was penny, traveling penniless for years and then brought up in hong kong and somehow ended up with the shaw brothers so I have, but I haven't, I haven't got to that bit in the film yet in this interview yet but that's it that seems to be yes. the narrative so as you say then the shaw brothers pick him up and say well okay come and meet us in the peninsula hotel with some stories and he then basically buys some notebooks and writes stories for 20 hours and then goes 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 up with them which i suspect is a bit of kind of self-mythologizing self-mythologizing yeah but but it's a, it's a very interesting interview but don't don't take yeah, it all yeah, face yeah. value i found it very interesting it's one of those it's one of those films where you're thinking are you responding to the salaciousness of it and the answer is yes i am Right, like, you know, these are all very attractive men and women being undressed and, you know, uh, all of that stuff and, you know, being put in all these sexual situations. But but that's not what's admirable about the film. Yeah, that, you know, you can watch any porn film, really, if you want to get off on things like that. None of the, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of nudity. Because you know, essentially, there's about a, probably 40 or 50 minutes of the film all of the characters who are taken prisoner have had all their clothes ripped off of them and they're just sometimes wrapped in newspaper but the newspaper kind of falls off uh but it's not big because of what's happening to them i mean it's really yeah they're kind of rolling in cow shit and they're they're bleeding and they're beaten up and it's very it, it's sort of not it's not titillating but it is exploitative i think i, I suppose I some people would get off of it, i think it's titillating and i think it's meant to be titillating it is done to titillate I do think he's an equal opportunity titillator. All the men are tortured and raped as well, right? So this is like, uh, you know, addressed to all audiences. I saw Salo, which is it's ostensibly based on, right? And you could see, actually, that it is based on it. I, I was never able to see Salo. You know, when I was 18 years old, I think I went to see it at the cinema. But when they got to the circle of shit, I just couldn't stand it anymore. And I was like, oh... I thought, my God, you know, you can critique fascism without doing all this stuff, right? I had bought the BFI disc because I thought, well, at some point this is not going to be available and you might as well own your own copy. Lost Souls is nowhere near as brutal. It's also nowhere near as good, nowhere near as complex, nowhere near as political. I thought there was, there was a, a clear homosexual gaze on yeah, in, in pa the Pasolini film, 
right? He gives much yeah, more weight yeah. to all the things that those people do with men than with women. And I think, um, you know, in the Motun Fei film, it's kind of the opposite, really. Yeah, uh, there's more attention to the women uh, than the men. Uh, I think one is a very archetypal art film of its time. You know, it begins with a bloody bibliography, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, 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 which is like, you know, the, the film begins, you really must read like the sad and... There, there was a great podcast. Uh, it was a, an Empire magazine did it, had a podcast with, and it was Ed, Edgar Wright and Quentin Tarantino. They started talking about, about Salo and seeing Salo at the cinema. And and, and this is actually true because this happened when I, I... I've only seen it once I saw it at the ICA. And that basically whenever... Like any screening of Salo at the cinema, someone will freak out in the audience. <laughs> what is this shit? And walk out very noisily. And you, but you sort of think, well, how can you? You know, you can't like accidentally go and see no, Salo. but you must know but, what, it, what it is. But I mean, you know, the whole shit scene, the wedding banquet with the steaming shit being served. Mm. I mean, that was just beyond. I mean, I, I it's very, very, yeah, yeah, very yeah. difficult to take, which I think is its point. Though I think the film also slightly cheats. So, you know, all the torture scenes at the end, which is in the circle of blood, like you're seeing that in a long shot through windows where you can't see the worst of it. Whereas like the circle of shit is there in full steaming close up, right? Like, yeah, because obviously they could, you know, there was probably chocolate cake or whatever, but uh, it was grotesque, really. Uh, So there's nothing like that i wouldn't describe this as a, as a remake in any in, in any way i mean it's, it has has similarities it has but... too many similarities it's clearly a great influence i mean there's the whole thing of the prisoners of the prisoners resisting finally the prisoners giving way the prisoners informing on each other and collaborating right with their oppressors i mean it's got a lot of similarities obviously it's kind of a different story right and it's political in a completely different way and on a completely different issue but yeah, I think there's a clear uh, influence. That said, I think Salo is the greater film. It is really a complex film, and it'll stay with me, unfortunately, maybe forever, right? And when I was younger, my argument was, do you really need to show this shit you know, to make a critique of fascism, right? And actually, now I think, yes, you do. You know, there's something about both of these films. If these situations are not acceptable in life. And we are complicit with their acceptability. I.e., if you don't do anything about it, which I don't, you know, and you know about it, you are complicit with it. Thinking back to Lost Souls, the you know, one of the things that happens is that they're they're captured by gangsters, but firstly the way they're captured by gangsters, the the, the characters you're first introduced to, is they just meet these this ordinary guy on the street and he says, I come back to my house. And he that this first guy then tries to sell them. And then, and then some worse gangsters come up and be, you know, beat up those first people. But then there's, there's these rival groups of gangsters. But then they get it. Then you know, at the end they've escaped and you think, oh, hooray, everything's okay. But they then get stopped by the police, and the police are just as bad. And it's, it's the, you know, the whole society is um, kind of corrupt. And, and, and uh, yeah, and it's this whole industry of, 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 of these people being just treated as a commodity and, and just sold. It's like, and it's like, well, we, the, you know, there's an argument that. Um, at one point, okay, if they don't have phone numbers and we can't get money, what do we do with them? Well, we 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 can sell the women to a whorehouse and we just throw the men in the sea because the, the men aren't, aren't yeah. worth any money. 
but it's just yeah, it's it's horrific and probably is something that was. And done. what was interesting was that the women were being sold into the whorehouses for much less money than was being asked of the family. They were they were getting five thousand. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's three thousand to buy a, buy for the horse house. Right. So this is how little these lives the family, are worth, yeah. right? Uh, and you know, my earlier point is that this is happening, like everywhere. I saw this documentary on the trade in women from the Eastern Bloc, which was exactly like that. This middle-aged woman kind of meets them on the bus. You know, they've gone to get work, and she says, "Oh." You know, I, I, can, I, I know someone who can get you a visa to England. And, you know, before you know it, they're all drugged up and working in the whorehouses of Europe, right? There are incidents in uh, Lost Souls that really resonate with this documentary, with what you see on the news. You know, I, I kind of went into this film sort of, from what I knew about it, expecting it to be kind of pure, pure exploitation and trash. And it is exploitation and it is trash, but also it is a film that has a serious point to it. And it... it and it, it's the film of someone who, who knows yeah. how to make films. I think it's exploitation. I don't think it's trash, though, because of, the, you know, the way it's filmed, because of the critiques that it makes, because of the melodramatic drive that keeps you constantly hooked, right? And this is melodramatic slightly in the pejorative sense. Well, more than slightly in the pejorative sense, right? I mean, it's really overdone. It's really overlayered. You know, the style of acting is really like, you know, rolling the eyes and doing double takes to emphasize every point. That said, it's very effective. Moton Fay acts in this again, as he did in I Didn't Dare Tell You. I think he's the older one of the prisoners. Um, so the one with the ah, grenade, I think that's Moton right. Fay. Initially, I thought he was like the, 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 the head of the of the gang, but I, but I, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, so he, he's he's that one of the prisoners, and he's the only one of the prisoners that's allowed to wear any clothes. So that's kind of the director's, director's <laughs> privilege, I guess. <laughs> uh, the film is very clever about the way that it handles the emotion, right? So first, it's this beautiful but anonymous woman, yeah, who gets raped and so on. But afterwards, it's the, the sister, yeah, it's you know one of the protagonists who is the fiance of one and the sister of the other. You know, and they both have to look on on what's happened whilst they're helpless, you know, to prevent anything from happening, right? These things are always kind of layered on with a point of view that renders it not quite gratuitous. Either there's feeling behind it and that it has an effect on someone. The same with, you know, the male rape. So it's presented very melodramatically. You know, the guy says, what are you going to do, rape me? You know, because he won't give the phone number away. And before you know it, he's like tied to this, you know, wooden horse and, you know, with a bow on him and with a, a tin of brill cream being waved around. Right. Like, so, of course, very you can't get more melodramatic than that. Right. Uh, but nonetheless, like uh, uh, when they bring him back into the prison and they throw him right on the floor, the responses of all of the people there you know, his own thing of, you know, living it privately, but then also now having to live it publicly, right? I mean, it's all very well delineated, I think. Well, so the, the, the actual rape scene, he's kind of, as you say, he's tied down to this this thing in this film very, very carefully. But, the, but then he's like um, sort of thrown, as you say, thrown naked back into the other room, into, 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 still, into the still shed. Tied it just to turns into this really vicious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
but then this is, then you get this really vicious fight and he actually managed to kill the the the, 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 the head guard uh, but this is really really kind of grim sequence um but but yeah but, but very effective i mean it's it's um, yes yeah i mean the injustice the vulnerability the socioeconomic dimensions of it all you know the lack of law and the lawlessness of the police you know, the fact that, like, Hong Kong is, like, this dream, is like the streets are paved with gold, but Diamond Hill is really a ghetto, right? Um, all of that, I think, is, like, absolutely brilliant, yeah? So there's no question that it's an exploitation film, but not all exploitation films are, like, this interest. I think that's all I have to say about it. <laughs> I, th I think we've, we've, we've done 25 minutes on, on uh, Lost Souls, and that's probably yes. enough. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> I, I really recommend that people see it. It's kind of it's. I, I it's an it's an it's an interesting film. I think you know be be warned about the content and be aware of the content. But it has more. It has points of interest about it. And I think particularly if you've seen those first two films, it's actually very interesting to see what he ended up doing. And uh, you know maybe it may even be interesting to see what he did later. Yeah. But we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. We are thinking aloud about film. Uh, I'm Jose. I'm Richard. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.